Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 and 5. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. I am fortunate to be the youngest of four kids from my household of origin. The reason I say I'm fortunate is when you're the youngest like that, it allows you to observe your older siblings. Mm -hmm. You know, you can observe their mistakes and the consequences of their mistakes. You can observe what works and goes well. And I used to do that as a kid. My sister went through a you know, like a season of rebellion, I guess. And I watched my parents sitting anxiously at the kitchen table. I can remember the anxious looks on their faces when she was way past curfew. I also watched, you know, when she and my other siblings did things that really worked well. And so I was always observing. And the reason I bring that up is now we are all adults and my siblings are all obviously still older than me and their children are older than mine. And I call them often and get together with them when I can and ask them for their wisdom on, you know, what's it like when my kids were about to become teenagers? I asked my siblings, tell me what I need to know about raising teenagers in the Proverbs that we read for today. It says, turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding that turn your ear idea is something I try to do. I try to turn my ear towards people that I know who are wise, who have gone just a little bit down the path ahead of where I am in life. And I try to open up my ear, turn my ear to them. Tell me, tell me, what mistakes have you made? What successes have you had? What works? What doesn't work? Because I'm about to enter into all this. And I'm not sure if I wasn't the youngest kid in my family, I'm not sure I would have learned that skill to turn my ear towards that. So I'm grateful that I, I was the the last born in my house. Uh, that's not my ex- own experience. I'm one of four mm-hmm. boys and we were all two years apart and yep. it created a world of, of um, we were cute because we knew that when we go into a restaurant with my parents, I might've said this before. <laughs> yeah, I think you did. And everybody would say how cute we all were mm-hmm. when they didn't go home with us. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and, and I think you actually live with uh what is the right word for it it's um uh it's conflict actually but it's it's mm. it's, it's um there's a dis word that um i'm trying to find and i can't find it but it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter mm-hmm. uh i would just ask you mm-hmm. in, in you're trying to discern the right way mm-hmm. when did the biblical understanding of life um uh, break into your consciousness and and uh, set you on a kind of a, a different path and looking ahead of you, which may or may not have been good markers. Well, we've talked about our biographies before, but I, I had, I think you just called biblical understanding of the world or something like that. I really, I honestly think that started in the womb. Really, I can say that honestly. The scripture was being read when I was in the womb, all around me, and then I was born into a household where we read scripture on the dinner table. We went to church midweek and twice on Sundays. I don't think there's ever been a time in my life when I wasn't steeped in and absorbed into a biblical worldview. It really wasn't until grad school that I began to really get a peek of the way the rest of the world works. People walking around without a biblical worldview. My entire community was a biblical worldview, biblical worldview everywhere. So 
it's a different biography I know than, than yours and, and a lot of other people, but yeah. So even those early, early, early years, it's just the lens through which I saw the whole universe. Lucky you. Uh, yeah. When you Seriously. were in, when you call it graduate school, but wasn't that seminary? Yeah. That's, that's the irony of my story is I got to seminary and that in, in many ways was my loss of innocence period. I got to seminary the, the exact same year as nine 11. Uh, you know, I got there to take summer Greek that summer. And then I was, you know, transitioning to the fall semester when nine 11 happened. My mother's best friend died that same week. So the towers came crashing down and I thought, Whoa, America is not viewed by the world. Like I thought it was. And then this, this close person, uh, died and I was experiencing grief. And then I entered into the classroom and I got to know the people in my classes. And a lot of them, even though they were in seminary, were actually secular people. And so all of these losses of innocence happened all at once for me, that first year of Princeton seminary. You think about going to seminary as a big faith formation. And it was, that actually was a major part of my faith formation was kind of crashing. You know, my faith did die in a certain sense. And thankfully there's a resurrection in our faith and it was revived completely that next summer, which is another story for another day. Yeah. I was going to just say, uh, I'm very curious about, uh, your experience moving out from Mm -hmm. kind of upbringing you had yeah. into the world, which uh, has moved so far away from Christ that it's you almost can't see it over the horizon at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of wondering, uh, it, it, I, I knew that this, uh, you know, it's Princeton Seminary, so mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know that it it's an Ivy League, so it's, it's mm -hmm. basically feeding into the ruling class and the ruling class of which I think all of us are part of, actually, believe it or not, I, I'm expanding. We have a book called The Ruling Class. That's why I know something about mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. But we deny we're members of this, but actually we've been educated to uh, become part of it. Uh, and this is the more privileged people, uh, you know, in our overall society all around. There's enormous wealth in this country. And it has to be sustained and governed and et cetera, et cetera. So when one comes with a, a very Christian outlook, what is it that transforms that person from being Saul to Paul? Or what mm -hmm. the young Billy Graham who goes to a revival thing and comes out, the Billy Graham that we came to know, or Oswald Chambers who... Uh, I, I think this is right, meets uh, God or, or Jesus uh, at a place called Arthur's Seat in uh, Edinburgh. Um, all of these people became warriors and true, not just disciples, but they became evangelists and mm -hmm. made a difference in the world. And it, it's, it's funny because you survived seminary. Yeah. And now you're in a position of authority within the church. And now you're expanding the mission and ministry of Stanwich Church Greenwich into Stanwich Church Stamford. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think it's a wow moment uh, for this church because it's expanding into a world that may be more resistant to the mm, word of God point. than the one yeah. that you minister to right now. Good point. 
Yeah, in the coming days, let's look for an opportunity for me to tell a bit more of that of that Princeton story because I think there's some maybe some interesting stuff there. My death and rebirth of my faith. So Absolutely. Yeah.